down all your problem into small chunks. Just say like there's a problem instead of having seeing it as one thing that's coming at you. You see it like 10 or 12 mini steps that you can do to slowly solve that problem. And you start attacking step one, step two at a time. And every time you accomplish a small goal, then you celebrate. Then you start getting a psyche of, hey, I can do this. Because if it's such a one big task, you, you, you get overwhelmed and you give up. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Kevin, who is a pioneer of the self-storage industry in Hong Kong and Macau. Kevin founded SC Storage in 2001 and organically grew the company into a 63 self-storage chain with over a million square feet. Currently, Kevin and his team manage all 63 properties under the SC Storage brand, managing all aspects of the operations. Listen on to find out how Kevin has organically grown his storage company and became one of the largest in the country. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here today. I am really excited for my guest today, Kevin. Hey Kevin, how are you? Hi Debbie, nice to meet you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you too. Can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? I've only started living offbeat life since two years ago. I was a very engaged and hardworking business guy for 20 years almost. I live in Hong Kong and I run a self-storage center. It's the biggest in Hong Kong, the second biggest in Asia. And I had a big accident four years ago. So uh, we had a big fire, uh, longest fire in Hong Kong history. And uh, unfortunately, two firemen died. So um, that really hit me hard. And that's when I started to have a midlife crisis and I started traveling the world for the last two years. That's about it. <laughs> wow. Well, all of that obviously makes a huge impact on you, especially when there's people who have lost their lives. How did you get to the point where you knew that there had to be changes, obviously, when that huge fire happened, right? Actually, you know what, Kevin, let's go back to the beginning. Because even before that, I'm like, that sentence was super short, but there's a lot to dig into that, right? First of all, how on earth did you manage to have one of the largest self-storage companies in Asia? Let's go to that first. (laughs) (laughs) My parents were entrepreneurs. We We had a factory. And then because it was uh, badly managed, so he left me nothing except uh, an empty building, which a lot alone. So it was underwater. So we owed the bank more money than, than it was worth. And since we couldn't rent it out and I was talking to the guy, you know, next door. And then he said, hey, why don't you just, you know, cut some rooms and rent it out and then um, and make, make a side income. So I started doing that while looking for a job. That was 20 years ago. Uh, back then, there was not such a startup wasn't hot. Everybody wants to be a, a banker, investment banker. I could not get in the job as, as an investment banker, but then I was renting 50, 60 rooms already. 
And then by the time internet happened, I realized it's called self storage and there was no self storage back in Hong Kong back in those days. So I decided to commit myself to, uh, to being self storage, uh, like an, an operator. And because I always like marketing and about digital, I was able to, uh, brand myself online. And I was very aggressive. I borrowed money from long, long sharks just to open uh, sites back in the old days. I was very egotistical. I, I always want to prove to the world I was successful, uh, bring fame back to the family. And then uh, maybe at some point I overextended, you know, and then, and then, and then, uh, you know, and then I didn't really care about safety. I mean, I didn't do anything illegal, but, but uh, uh, expansion was my number one thing. And then got to the point where we had to fire and then everything changed. Yeah. Wow. And I also do have to say you and I come from an Asian family, an Asian background. And I have to reiterate that a lot of what we have to go through when we're growing up is saving face, right? You always have to make sure that your family name is thought of and seen of as something that is really well. You know, you're well-to-do. You can't embarrass your family uh, because that's one of the things that you will, you should never, ever do. So that's probably one of the things that lit that fire behind you, right? To to keep going because you want to make sure that you are having your family name and making it better than what it was. Also, I think I was partially very lucky. See, my grandfather, when he died, he left a lot of properties for my father. Uh, because he was he wanted to do business, he started mortgaging and selling the properties to get capital to do his business in which he wasted all uh, all the money. So I knew the importance of properties in in Asia. You know, as an Asian, we always like to have land and properties. So I started buying a lot of properties as early as possible, as much as possible. And I caught the biggest wave back in two thousand and three. There were thars. That was the lowest point of property prices in Hong Kong, and up all the way up till now, or. Uh, during the fire uh, two two years ago, all the properties I, uh, I bought went up 13, 14 times and I had leverage wow. on that. So that like 50, 50x my money. I was like, I was lucky. I was hardworking, but I was also lucky, you know. <laughs> Well, also, you know, I, I don't like it when you say that, Kevin, because you're not lucky. A lot of people are probably going back to that time right now to this day and be like, I should have done that. But you had balls and you had guts to actually do it, right? Because there's a lot of people that would just say, you know, I I should have done that or I could have done that. And now they're kicking themselves in the ass. But you actually took that chance and you took that risk to do it, Right. And that's really what makes you different from other people because you're not just a talker, you're a doer as well. But I would always say this, and this is kind of controversial, is if, if it's like you, right? If you're in Philippines or in, in, in Hong Kong for that matter, right? And, and you have a chance, I would go all out. I would leverage net 95% and flip properties to the max. Why? Because I have a Canadian passport. You have an American mm-hmm. passport. If we go belly up, we go bankrupt in Hong Kong. We go back to Canada. We work. We start clean. There is no, there is no, there is no, con- there is no consequence, man. And five <laughs> later, like our debt is forgiven, right? So sounds a bit controversial, but but you know, like uh, with a Canadian passport, I could just leave, you know, but if it didn't work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a different way of thinking about it. And I think a lot of 
people do not like to think about that because it's a lot of risk. And honestly, that's why someone like you, Kevin, are extremely, extremely successful when they do these things because you're willing to take that risk and a lot of people are afraid. There's a lot of fears that goes into this type of industry, especially the one that you're in. And so when you actually started your company, like you said, you didn't really have much. You didn't have a lot of experience. You didn't know what you were doing essentially when you started your self-storage company. How did you prepare for it? I mean, how did you make yourself go from nothing and being one of the top people in Asia to be able to do this? Okay. uh, my, My parents left me with one factory with no construction money. So I just drew lines on the floor and, and then and then I just start putting like flyers and, and, and posters on, on, uh, on the streets. And then when people come in, I would sweet talk them and say, why don't you prepay me, you know, uh, two years, uh, the construction is out for lunch and, and I'll give you 20% off. And then they would give me some money and I would pay the construction guy to build maybe like 10 units. And then, and then I would, you know, persuade another person to prepay me another, you know, two years, I would, uh, I would do another, uh, do another 20 units. So that's how I first started it. When I did uh, the, the posters on the wall, the government keep on ripping it off and start finding me, right? So mm. I bought a ladder, you know, a ladder not very high, and I put it very, very, very high so that the, the guy, the government guy, cannot remove the flyer because he doesn't have power. <laughs> so my, my, my flyers stayed the longest. And then, and then uh, back in my old days, there's no Google, there's no Yahoo, there's this thing called the Yellow Page. I don't know if you really recall that. That was a lot. Yeah, so, I do, uh, I do. <laughs> Yeah. We don't want to expose everybody's age here, but that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh yeah. But uh, we had a, there's a telephone number you can call for Yellow Page, right? And and then I start, there are a few like similar operators, but they're not big and they're not really uh, doing it as a business, right? So basically, honestly, I just hustle. I just, I just start incorporating names, same as them and registering with Yellow Page. So when people start looking for other people, they start, they, they got redirected to me. <laughs> wow. That's a pretty ingenious idea. <laughs> but, uh, everybody has a pass. <laughs> hey, especially when you're starting in the beginning, you try different things. You know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, do, I, I hustle a lot. And then and then uh, there's a lot of government-assisted loans for, for factories. And those are, as, again, those are no consequences loans. You can apply. They can either accept you and, and they can not accept you, right? They're like, like interest-free loans, right? So I exaggerate a lot of stuff, you know, to, to apply to, to fit the qualification. <laughs> and I got the loan to, to expand. <laughs> and, you know, hearing from you and doing all of these different things that you did, A lot of people wouldn't even think about that. So you're definitely an entrepreneur. You find ways to solve issues when you have an obstacle in front of you. And I think that's really what makes an entrepreneur a real entrepreneur is that, you know this, Kevin, when you start a business, there's always going to be something that's blocking you from going forward and someone like you always finds a way to go over it under it around it and that's how you become really successful at this <laughs> honestly like like uh, like we're laughing at it now and i've always pride myself to have these kind of wits or you know hustle or, or smarts but until that fire happened i start to i would say regret or wonder is that the correct way have i been doing too many shortcuts have i been doing too many of my gigs that's what led that to that happen so i had a real calling soul searching of myself all these years have i you know i got successful but at, you know now now this happened is it because i didn't follow the proper path i was always looking for a shortcut so i had a 
I, I had a two years of, you know, traveling around the world, you know, asking myself a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to do that. And of course, this is probably, you know, this is a segue to my next question is, you know, we always have that what now moment once we either leave our nine to five or start a new business. What was yours like, Kevin? And how did you handle that? When I came back from from Canada, from university, I was supposed to help my family out. But when I came back, I realized my dad owed the bank like eight, 10 million US right? Wow. And the repayment rate was like, you know, like $200,000, $300,000 a month, US. No, no, about, about $100,000 US per month, just like repayment. So I know like if I were to, as the only male child, I cannot get a job. No matter how much salary they give me, I cannot support my family. They would sell my entire family's asset. So there's no, like I was, my back was against the wall. And also I, I have a I have a backup plan. If it fails, I just go back to Canada, right? Mm. <laughs> so, getting a job was never an option for me, you know, uh, because I had to I had to take over the family mess and and try to recover it, right? I, like getting a job, I cannot I cannot save my family. That uh, I don't know the, the the empire, so to say. So I want to go into your psyche when you're faced with an issue like this, because for a lot of people, they just curl up, they start getting depressed, but you did the total opposite. You know, this kind of gave you more fire, more determination, and it really allowed you to become extremely successful. How do you really deal with that? You know, because there's so many things that goes on in our mind, especially when we're faced with failures that really stop us or it debilitates you from doing so many things. How did you go about that? How did you go beyond it to keep going? If problem comes to you, you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you cannot, you cannot solve it and you probably cannot at one, one goal. Uh, what I would recommend is I've been through three crises in my life, so so I'm, I'm a crisis expert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> down all your problem into small chunks. Just say like there's a problem. Instead of having, seeing it as one thing that's coming at you, you see it like 10 or 12 mini steps that you can do to slowly solve that problem, right? And you start attacking step one, step two at a time. And every time you accomplish a small goal, one of, one of the steps, then you celebrate either, you know, take your family out for dinner or go on a small holiday. Then you start getting the psyche of, hey, I can do this because if it's such a one big task, you, you, you get overwhelmed and you give up. But if it's one step, two step, three steps, then you can slowly tackle the problem. That's, that's one advice I, I give. Yeah. I think we definitely underestimate those small wins. And like you said, it's a really great thing to celebrate that and just have gratitude that you are actually able to solve those issues and then you solve bigger ones. So that's such a great mentality and tip that you just gave up. Because as an American, I think we're all often, especially me as a New Yorker, we're often told you just need to keep hustling, hustling, hustling. And, you know, nothing is ever enough. And we really overlook the small wins and that actually helps us in the long run to celebrate, you know, like what you're doing to keep going. Exactly. So that's it. Make small wins, celebrate your small wins. And then also like uh, if you make a mistake, if something happens to you, don't blame it on bad luck. Sometimes like mm. most, most of the things that happens to us, like the virus, for example, right? A lot of things is, oh, this is not our time. It's bad luck. And you just don't think about it, right? Some of the things within this bad luck can be modified, can be changed. You got to filter out what was your fault and what was luck, right? Something can do to minimize the impact, right? So every time some, some, something happened bad to me or, or I made a mistake or something, I try to 
learn from it instead of blame it on luck. So next time the same thing happened, at least I can minimize it. I also feel like there's always something to learn from this, even during this pandemic that obviously a lot of people have lost their job. It's just a horrendous thing for a lot of people. But also you see it on the other side where now you know what you need to work on, especially if you have a business and if you're working at a nine to five and you lose it. Now, you know, you need to do something else that's maybe working remotely so you can work even though you can't be outside. So there's always something that you can find from it that will help you in the long run. Exactly. So always try to learn what what can be changed, what can be left so you can improve your odds next time. What about you, Kevin? What has been the biggest thing that you have learned from what's happening right now that we have the pandemic going on and you can't travel as much as you want? What have you been doing to make yourself really be, I don't know, I I guess it's like survival (laughs) for most people right now. It's just mentally trying to survive. (laughs) I feel like God is kicking me around, honestly speaking. So what happened was after my fire, I got lawsuits everywhere and then the bank wanted me to pay them back and then the customers are suing me. So, so, so it, was, it was a very troubling uh, first two years for me, right? And then I, I realized I do self-storage, right? I sell my property and I use my money and I buy self-storage REITs with some, uh, 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 with some leverage and margin. I make the same money. So I'm like, wow. what the hell? You know, I'm working for 20 years and now you're telling me I invest in other people doing the same thing. I can make just as much. So I just, I sold half my uh, my business, right? As uh, self-storage because of the lawsuits and everything. And I all put it, 80% of it into storage greets, right? And I just start traveling. I start telling everybody, oh, I was such an idiot for working for so long. I could have, I should have just been a travel blogger and just do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And then March happened. And then all the REITs went down 40%. And since I was on margin, I got margin call. And after March, honestly, I lost, I lost 30% of my net, net wealth. At, at my age, that's a lot of money. Because at our age, you can't really recover that fast, right? So, so I'm like, you know, if it wasn't for the fire, I would continue to do what I do. I would lose 30% of my money, right? Uh, since then, I gained 10% back. So I'm still down 20, which is, which is very good compared to other people, right? But, but uh, this is the ironic thing. What I learned is, if you invest and you use margin, every 10 years, something's going to get you. You're going to get wiped out. Buy and hold do not work. You know, that's, that's like a stock, a stock thing. And, and the funny thing is uh, now my st- because everybody's closing down, I still have my business. Everything's closing down. People are moving into smaller houses, moving, uh, closing their shops. My storage business is, 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 is booming again. So now I'm reinvesting my money buying more storage. Now I'm like, oh man. <laughs> so it's, it's really funny. You, know, you try to have a life change and then God's like, no, 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 no. You got to go back. <laughs> it's so interesting where life takes you. And even when you go through the lowest of the low, if you just keep going and also because you've learned so much throughout the years, Kevin, from 20 some odd years of being a business owner and entrepreneur that it's in your blood, right? To just keep going. And you've gone through so much already. There's been so many setbacks and you don't know any other way, but just to keep going forward. Yeah. But one thing I would advise is stay liquid. Like, you know, you can have a lot of money all on properties and something like this happens. You're in trouble. Always. Oh, like there's a rule uh, my mentor always tells me, don't do anything criminal. You if, you if you break a rule to make money and you get a fine, 
that's okay. Like in my book, that's okay. But if you break a rule, you go to jail. No, don't do anything. Like nothing, right? And the second thing is always be liquid. Always have enough cash. If anything happens, you can pay it because those are the turning points that 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 breaks a person. I know a lot of rich people. They have so many buildings and properties, but they don't have any cash. And then this virus comes, and then and then they try to get some cash, and the bank won't lend them, and then they have to close. So always stay liquid. That's one of the things I, I know. Yeah, that's definitely a great advice, and I think we're feeling that right now. You always need to have cash on hand. Just like anything happens, you know, who knew this whole thing was going to happen to us, which is kind of ridiculous. So for somebody who's not obviously at your level yet, well, most of us are not in your level yet, Kevin, and somebody who's just starting out, right? And they want to start a business or maybe they want to start investing. What would be the first thing that they should do and how do they keep going forward from that and just building up their assets? If you're going to do a, a business, don't think out of the box. Like I, I always advise people, well, first of all, start young, okay? If you get a job, I don't know how it is in the U.S., okay? But in Asia, people are kind of conservative. If you get a job and you want to be an entrepreneur, start as soon as possible. Don't get married and definitely do not have a kid. Because if you get married and you have a kid and your boss gave you a promotion, there's no way you're going you're gonna to risk it. And that's it. That's your life, you know? Because, because you have good pay and then you have mortgage to pay, the kids to feed, you're not going to risk it. So risking it takes a lot of guts, and a lot of uh, flexibility. So start young. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to think of something that nobody thought of because everything has been thought of already. Try to network and find uh, industries that you're interested in. Go work for them. You know, Go work for them for the cheap. Just to meet the people, learn, learn the trade. And then when you're ready, start your own. Build up your network of people first. And build up some expertise in that knowledge. And then when you're ready, you can go start. And if you know that you're scaling fast, I mean, if you if you know you're scaling fast and then you're, you're doing well, don't stop. I mean, usually for a startup, there's only a very, very short window of time when you're doing well before all the competition comes in and start copying you. So you need to be very, very, very big and have a moat around the business before, you know, before uh, before people start copying you and 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 take you out. And, and, and honestly, the one last advice I would say is don't get greedy. I know, I know startup people that, that did something well, they're, they're very big, but they're not making money. And then, uh, I, I, uh, like big companies offer them millions of dollars to buy them out. They say no. And so they just copy them. And now, uh, and now, now because of the virus thing, they're, they're, they're in debt, they're going to close their business. So if they were, they, they sold two years ago, they would each would have pocketed at least five, 6 million us. So don't get greedy. Don't try to be a billionaire. I mean, your life, I mean, there's not too many billionaires in the, in the world, only, only on TV, and you don't need to be a billionaire, right? Just, just be happy with what you have. And when there's an opportunity comes, just just take it. That's, that's my advice. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely solid. And you don't need that much money to be happy, honestly. And after a certain amount of money, you know, it all seems the same to me. You know, I guess if you just have fun yeah. making money, it's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> More, more money, more problems, right? The, the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really true. So, Kevin, when you left after everything happened, you say you had your crises at that moment when you had the fire and you started traveling. And, 
you still were running another business. You found out another way to create income and you still made the same amount of money. How were you able to make sure that you were balancing work and fun and travel at the same time? Because I think that's what a lot of people have an issue with, have a problem with to be able to do both at the same time. No, my other business wasn't making money. I was trying to help my friend out. It didn't work well. But the storage uh, was making money. And because I sold a lot of my properties, right? Just a dividend on that, I was able to uh, provide for my family, right? Obviously, uh, it didn't, it wasn't sustainable because I used leverage and then the crash came. <laughs> and then the crash came and I lost, I lost a 30% of that. <laughs> but, uh, but then my, my storage business started booming again. So, so, so I have my storage business. So it's always either storage or investment for me. It, it wasn't anything else. How do, how do I manage my staff? Honestly, like, and, and, and I know your podcast about being an entrepreneur. Uh, you're talking to the guy who's over the hill for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been betrayed by a lot of employees a few times and, and, and friends. So, so that's one of the things I really don't like about business. My best friend copied me and stole my logo and we had a fight. He's the third biggest self-storage in Asia. Get, uh, and he was my friend. He was the computer guy who did, the, did, my, did my backend system for my self-storage. I didn't know about it. I didn't know he was my competitor until five years later. Right. Oh so my God. that was a betrayal. I turned out IPO my company seven years ago and then uh, I, I didn't, it didn't work out. Uh, that was another crisis, by the way. But, uh, and then afterward, uh, one of my number one, my second in command that I really trusted, I thought he's, he could be the CEO of the company. He just left. He just left like uh, two, two days notice. And then, and then he just wow. left hanging there. And then last year I had another key staff that left and started working for my competition. So I, I mean, I love doing business, but all this betrayal. And when you're investing, right, there's not, you're not competing with anybody, right? Everybody's your friend. You make money, you lose money the same, right? But when, when, when your friends start doing what you're doing and then, and, and then we're competing for the same resources, it hurts friendships, you know? So mm. I'm not encouraging people not to be an entrepreneur, but again, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you interview the guy who's just been over the hill for that. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. it's it's honestly, this is really sad to say, and I am upset that I have to say this, but what Kevin is saying is so true. Like I've had three businesses before I've had this one, and I can't tell you how many times like because, you know, with me, I'm always trying to see the positive of things. So it's either people betraying you that you're working with or people that, you know, that maybe sees that you're going forward and it changes relationships. It really does. And it's really sad to say because you don't think that that's going to happen because you feel like these people are close to you or if you have people you're working with and it turns out great in the beginning and then all of a sudden money starts to come in and the relationship changes, which is kind of ridiculous and it makes you jaded, right? And it's really sad. And then people think that entrepreneurs are these sharks and they don't have hearts. But when you have been burnt so many times by people that you thought you could trust and it goes the other way, it turns you into a different person and you're not as likely to trust as you were in the beginning. And that's, that's, it's sad, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, we're supposed to be motivating people to be entrepreneurs on this show. We should, we should stop talking about this now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I also love 
to tell people the realities of this because it's not just going to be, you know, there's other obstacles that you have to face with aside from just, you know, how do you make money from this? How do you find, you know, the projects that you need to work with? It's also about how do you find the right people and actually build that trust, you know, and how do you deal when there's mistrust that happens, which is a huge thing. And it does happen more often than we think it actually does. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the question. I mean, if you're making more and more money, it's growing a lot, right? Okay, fine. I know uh, this, this, this is part of the game. This is, uh, this is given, right? But you're at a stage where just say if your business is not growing anymore and you have enough money to live or to retire, then you start asking yourself, you know, do you want to continue running this and get betrayed and have all this, you know, BS, you know, or do you want to just travel? Right. Anyways, yeah. you up. and this is the irony thing again. I mean, my, not only did my investment uh, crashing down, I can't travel anymore, so I cannot even be yeah. a father. So I'm forced back to my old job as a storage guy. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, Kevin, this is not going to be forever, and maybe by next year things will start getting back to I don't know a new normal for us, and you Remember can start you know, in November. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. It's it's kind of crazy how the world, the entire world, it's not just even like a small corner or even one country. It's like the entire world has been stopped by this. Uh, it's really crazy to me. Yeah, so I guess we're lucky to have our health, our family, and, and you know, we're we're not we're not we're not on the street. So just be grateful, I guess, you know. Yeah, things things to be grateful for. I think I, I love listing those things right now, especially right now because uh, otherwise you're just going to go insane but that's for another day <laughs> so Kevin let's fast forward to 20 to 30 years from now and you're looking back at your life what legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for oh, oh. I so besides uh, storage and investing I've been, I've been mentoring kids for uh, for like four or five years now some of the kids that I mentor has, has done really really well so I hope like to be a, a positive force for good. I hope to make an impact on more entrepreneurs, like so I can help help them, like either by networking them to the right person, the right investors, or make make sure that you know they, they got their growth strategy right. So that's something I have a passion for. That's why I do my podcast. I have also have a Chinese podcast. Uh, that that's pretty good uh, on Facebook and YouTube. We have about ten thousand views per per episode. So I I do that. I don't dare to have another goal of how much money I'm going to make or how big my storage is. That's what got me in trouble in the first place. But <laughs> I'm doing it as long as it's fun. Like I always tell my staff, I, I'm not going to push you to make the numbers. You make the number, I get more bonus. But if you don't make the number, I'm just going to keep on closing shops until the whole thing is vanished. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to burden my kids with my business because I believe the world changes so fast. I think they, they should they should control their own destiny. I should just maybe give them a small safety net so in case you know they're sleeping on the street, they at least have a house to live in. And I just hope to be a force for good and don't cause any more lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that your impact is really changing the next generation. And I do have to say this, and you know, I grew up in America and even in schools, they really don't teach us how to be entrepreneurs. You know, it's yeah. it's not what we're taught to be. And that's why for for us who want to go outside of that box, it's so much harder, right? So if we had someone like you, Kevin, who mentored us in the beginning 
we, you know, a lot of children probably would have gone further out sooner because you do have someone who knows what they're doing and not just, you know, the basic things in life and things. Honestly, I went to school, I got my master's degree and most of the things I learned, I don't even use any, any time. So it's kind of ridiculous how most of it is useless. And yeah. <laughs> I think you learn about, uh, one thing is about uh, money management, you know, how to save money, not spend, mm-hmm. you know, Another thing is about trust. I mean, uh, I always say there's only two ways you can really fail in your business. One is you trust the wrong person or the wrong institution. The other thing is over leverage. If you know that this is turning around, it's not going well, and you close it properly, you, you, you wouldn't lose your shirt. But most people either trust the wrong person, invest with the wrong person, or they over leverage. So just make sure those two key points, you're okay, you, then you'll be fine. Okay, can, okay, uh, this is going to be the last thing, but. Kevin, after all these years, and I want to learn this from you, how do you know? It's probably going to be like you don't know until you know, but how do you know? Do you have an instinct now from people when you know you can actually trust them or not? <laughs> no, I just don't trust anybody. <laughs> Seriously, I don't trust anybody. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would I trust them? See, this is, and this again, this is a joke. The key to success is to get everybody to trust you and never trust anybody. And that's that, and then you win. Sounds bad, but <laughs> right? People yeah. invest in you, right? But you don't invest in anybody. Hey, you win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it sounds really harsh, guys. But you know, I've I've only I haven't done business that long. Obviously, not as long as Kevin. But I can't even tell you like how people will just do that. And it's yeah, I don't. It's sad. It's really sad to say. I don't want to say this. I would rather say people can be trusted. <laughs> Well, you can trust the, like small amount of money if, if if you think it's okay. Then yeah, right. But like key things, like key things that you're gonna lose your shirt. Don't don't expose yourself for that. You know, mm. because some, like one one misstep it takes you years to make it back. You know, so and you know, so so try 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 to bear that in mind, and 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 that'll be good. You know. There's also like different ways to go around it, like maybe doing a little bit at a t- like at a time with that person or having them put their money up first to make sure that, you know, you can trust them with it. Like there's different ways, different strategies to it. But yeah, don't trust anybody right away. They have to. Yeah. Even after years working with somebody, you know, things can turn the other way once the money starts coming in. So, yeah, guys. I'm sorry to say that, but it's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today with us, Kevin. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can uh, find me on Kevin Shee, K-E-V-I-N-S-H-E-E. And I also have a podcast. It's called The Kevin Shee Show. (laughs) Perfect. I can't wait to listen to more of your episodes and for all of our listeners to go there as well. Thank you so much, Kevin. We really appreciate you. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kevin. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to use digital marketing to land clients for your online business. Hey friends, I know you love discovering new podcasts as much as I do. That's why I wanted to start sharing some of my favorite shows that I've been binging on. Today, I wanted to let you know about the Follow That Fear podcast, which is hosted by Kat Del Carmen. If you've ever had a crazy idea to start something, to build a business, to help people, to grow a community, listen up. 
Follow That Fear podcast is a show dedicated to women who are sick and tired of their own excuses and ready to finally do the mindset work to build their business and sell their hearts out, even if you hate selling. So make sure to visit katdelcarmen.com for more details. Again, that's kat, C-A-T-D-E-L, carmen.com. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.